0: Welcome back to Health Naturally. Dennis Stewart is here. That's how we kick off our Friday afternoons, Dennis. It's all about you, mate. Oh, is it? Look, uh, this, looking over the last couple of weeks at some of the your biggest discoveries mm. uh, in, mm. in terms of herbal medicine, mm. mentioned the British herbal pharmacopeia, but uh, there's a Russian formula that you'd like to talk about now.
1: Yeah, look, I thought we'd touch on some remedies today rather than uh, historic findings associated with... Uh, herbal medicine my talk last week uh, was important in as much that hopefully it got over to listeners the significance of the discovery in certainly in my teaching and practice in the early 80s of that landmark document which has become the bible of modern herbal medicine known as the British herbal pharmacopeia this week I want to look at two discoveries uh, particularly associated with remedies which have certainly altered my approach and influenced the approach of many others in treating a spectrum of diseases. And one discovery that I'd like to talk about was a discovery that I made as a a very young man, actually a young engineer, walking the streets of Sydney during my lunch break.
0: (laughs) You found a place to get a good
1: pie. (laughs) How did you know? But even in those days, I had a, a great fascination with with natural medicine and it was in Sydney of course that I was fortunate enough uh, to be there at the time when complementary medicine was being taught And uh, but essentially as I was walking down Pitt Street on one occasion as a young man, I went into uh, the communist bookshop um, some might say well there he goes, he's always been a bit left well maybe but I went into the communist bookshop and r- was looking at some of the books on the shelves and um Interestingly, I stumbled across a book uh, written by two Russians. It was an English translation. And the title of the book went along the lines of uh, the therapeutic properties of of honey. And I was always interested in honey. And uh, of all my life, I've been a beekeeper. Even at this very late stage of my human existence, I'm still a keen (laughs) beekeeper and produce very good honey. But in the book was a formula formula that has been very precious to me because I took it on board and used the formula for the production of what I believe was one of the first uh, honey ointments made in this country and probably, probably in the English-speaking world. In the book was a formula that uh, put out uh, the message that honey was potentially very effective in addressing very serious, very serious wounds And lesions, and the formula for the honey ointment uh, was developed by the Russians, particularly to deal with the uh, Second World War wounds that many of their troops were experiencing. This was the era prior to antibiotics, and with the Russians, so to speak, back to the wall, as as the Germans were on the on the onslaught, they were treating battle wounds seemingly successfully with a preparation essentially based on honey reinforced by cod liver oil. I was very impressed with it and purchased the book and when I became a practitioner of herbal medicine I began to have the ointment as it were made up um, and it began to be used in my practice and then I began to see some of the most remarkable reversals in in serious wound and uh, disease lesions that I have seen in my life. I have seen the, the honey ointment uh, do things on things like varicose ulcers. Now Medicos listening to this program or the medical fraternity, nursing fraternity will know what varicose ulcers are all about. They're nasty lesions that can in fact uh, threaten the whole limb particularly if they're not addressed properly and they're very difficult to heal. I found that using the honey ointment in conditions of varicose ulcers and many other ulcers that were stubborn to heal, I found that the honey ointment was sometimes remarkable, startling, remarkably in, in its ability to promote healing, resisting infection, and resolving the varicose ulcer. And I had one situation marked that was very interesting. My uh, or the honey ointment was somehow accessed. Uh, by a lady who had a very compromised uh, lesion on her leg, very compromised, and I know it was very compromised because as part of the story associated with this, this lady actually forwarded me photographs of the lesion before the application of honey ointment and the lesion after a couple of weeks of using honey ointment, and the progress in resolving the lesion was startling, and she actually took the trouble to write to me and tell me that the application of honey ointment to her threatening leg lesion had saved her leg and to use her words in the letter that I have in my files she said it also saved her life. Um, Now that's just one incidence of where the honey formula derived from a, a, a text many, many years ago a formula developed by Eastern European, uh, if you like, uh, Russian uh, geniuses as far as I'm concerned, a formula demonstrated itself in my prescribing that has, in my opinion, altered the direction of many of these lesions where nothing else would work. So I guess what I'm saying this morning is one of my greatest discoveries was that of Refinding or reestablishing and validating what we knew was always there, that honey was not just a pleasant food, but honey was a profound, and let me emphasize, a profound healing agent. And only now, only now, many, many years after I started writing and using the honey ointment, is the science beginning to catch up. So that in in, in recent books, particularly the the book entitled The Honey Revolution by the two American um, medicos, in that text is evidence from a scientific perspective of why honey, honey per se, not just Manuka honey, it might be the best if you like, but honey per se with its long history can now be shown to have credible uh, scientific explanation as to how it will sanitise a wound and promote granulation and healing of a wound. And that was a big discovery.
0: Do you still have the book, the Russian book?
1: I do. Really? I do, yeah. There was actually a a secondary volume um, after that text, which I also have, which gets more into the nitty-gritty of producing certain honeys by feeding bees particular substances, certain aromatic oils, uh, to give honey... Uh, a flavour the Russians are miles ahead in my opinion and it might be interesting for listeners to know that um, uh, the Russians are are, in my opinion are very earthy people very close to the soil I love Russians, I worked with many Russian engineers in the state office block many years ago I can still remember some of them fascinating people, used to drink a lot particularly in lunch hours (laughs) but um, brilliant, brilliant minds and they were always great healers and great herbalists And it is not a surprise to me to know that when no-one else was probably using honey in this way, they were using it in a unique way of trying to sanitise and heal some of the battle wounds that their troops were experiencing on the Russian front.
0: Barry, you've got some back strain to talk to Dennis about today.
1: Yes, I was just wondering if you had anything um, to strain the back moving some furniture. And, um, yeah, I know for general soft tissue injuries, it's rest, ice, compression and elevation, but I was just wondering if he had anything you sort of rub on it or anything like that he recommends. Look, there are are multiple things that immediately comes into one's mind when one thinks of these sorts of things. Uh, Most of these things tend to be Um, self-resolving. I'm a great fan, as you've probably heard me say on this program before, of uh, basically soft tissue massage therapy. I think um, massage therapy is still terribly underrated and yet one of the oldest and most effective and one of the most highly regarded way of addressing stress and strain, particularly in the musculature. So the first thing that I would suggest is contemplate. Contemplate a few treatments uh, with a masseur or masseuse as a way of addressing it. Outside Outside of that, there are a few things that one might think of topical applications that might reduce any inflammatory activity and topical applications that might have uh, some mild analgesic benefit and participate in loosening up the musculature. Look for preparations. Uh, Two of the preparations, things like Arnica and uh, preparations that also contain what's called the oleoresin of capsicum. So there are preparations in the marketplace, I won't mention names, but very uh, very well known, based on Arnica, based on the oleo resin of capsicum, which when applied and applied consistently will bring about, in most cases, a significant uh, degree of relief that's been evidenced by footballers and others using those sorts of preparations when they've experienced uh, strain situations in the musculature. So I would suggest you think about that magnesium and particularly magnesium phosphate in, in, the, uh, in, a, in a range of products called celloids also has a, a useful oral role to play, I believe, in perhaps hastening the uh, loosening of the musculature. But in the end, in the end, time, soft tissue massage and the sensible uh, palliative use of a topical application based on the remarkable Herb Arnica and the remarkable Herb Capsicum. All right, well, thanks very much for that. Good on you. And,
0: Barry, you've got, frid- got a fridge needs moving on the weekend, mate. Are you available? <laughs> <laughs> I might, might wait a couple of weeks if you do <laughs> <laughs> At least a couple. All right, Barry. I think well, that might be the best thing for him to not actually do any of that work either for a while, tennis.
1: Stay yeah, look. I that. think it would be most unwise to go lifting refrigerators.
0: <laughs> All righty. So wait, we, we talked earlier about yep, the the yep, Russian yep. honey ointment. We're going to come back in a moment and talk about another one.
1: Yeah, look. I think it's important to point out that the the, the use of of honey as a as an agent to promote healing uh, not only goes back to the Russians, but it goes back further than that. It's interesting that in the in the um, use of herbs and natural substances in our own civilizational history, which reaches back to the Greeks and Romans, we can find that honey in particular was known about and used by the Greeks, well-documented by the Greeks and the Romans for for dealing with situations that we've been talking about today. So there's nothing new in it, and there's a number of books that have been written over the years, one by a a British doctor called Dr. Deck, uh, that traces the history of honey being used as a topical application and I had a a patient in my rooms the other day that said subsequent to her own successful use of honey ointment she is never without honey ointment in the medical chest so to speak and has recommended uh, honey as a topical application particularly in an ointment to many of her friends who have had stubborn uh, conditions that have not been resolved by even some of the modern medical approaches so it's not just something novel. It's not just something that's been discovered. It's not just something that uh, the Russians uh, stumbled on. It goes back a long way further than that, particularly in European history and civilization. But it does seem that some of the, how could we call it, more earthy uh, cultures and civilizations with perhaps a greater affinity for the soil, such as the Russian civilization and culture, they, in my opinion... Uh, never moved away from some of the knowledge that I've been talking about this morning. and It's not surprising that they drew on this latent information that goes back to the Greeks to develop their own preparation that played such an important part in treating battle wounds during the Second World War. One we're going to focus
0: on now is an item, uh, a, 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 a preparation, as you would say, known as Vitex Agnes agnus. Castus, I got that right. Mm. It's colloquially that's, not bad.
1: that's it's not bad.
0: It's colloquially known as monk's pepper. well How did it get that name?
1: Well, we could go into a very interesting discussion about this. Uh, the herb Vitex agnus castus is a, a Mediterranean herb which grows beautifully in this country. In fact, it's a tree, and uh, I have a beautiful uh, specimen of it growing. Uh, in in my yard in in the Hunter Valley. beautiful blue flowers on it which give way to the development of some berries and those berries are harvested and have been harvested in European traditional medicine, uh, particularly in Western Europe, uh, for hundreds of years to form the basis of tinctures and extracts and teas for addressing what we'd refer to as uh, hormonal problems uh, vitex agnus castus uh, is renowned for if you like uh, addressing diseases particularly female conditions that are considered to relate to what we refer to in our trade as hormone imbalance and uh, the the herb is very successfully used in, in uh, enhancing if you like uh, possibilities of fertility particularly in couples that have been struggling uh, to conceive. It's one of the leading remedies uh, in herbal medicine, western herbal medicine to address what's called functional infertility and that is, is is well documented and there's a whole body of literature on the net supporting the use of this herb as a fertility uh, supporting remedy and one that I've used uh, very successfully for nearly 40 years in helping couples conceive who hitherto have not been able to but interestingly, interestingly if it is not used properly or if it is overused, it can bring about some reduction, if you like, and I'm being very conservative in my terminology. It can bring about some reduction in, in um, particularly libido. And the, the, uh, the herb... So does this, this fall into the category of too much of a good thing? It could be seen to be yeah. that way, but the herb also became known as chase tree, because in, in high doses the effect on the reproductive hormones reflected itself in in a significant reduction in libido, both in male and female.
0: And you're... I don't know, you're not selling this one too
1: well. Oh, no. I, I'm, I'm trying to keep the audience with me. I don't want them to think that, that I'm a rather questionable character. But also, it developed the, the name uh, Monk's Pepper because, again, when uh, in, in the Middle Ages particularly, it was used... As a substance, a medication uh, to use by those that had devoted themselves to the religious life and who wanted to be, who did not want to be distracted by libido issues. And there is a reasonable explanation as to how this is achieved. So, chastry, monk's pepper, attesting to, if you like, the hormonal ramifications of using Vitex agnus castus a herb mainly used by professional herbalists to address conditions that we would refer to as being based on hormonal imbalance. And one of the classic conditions for which it's almost specific is known these days as the premenstrual syndrome. And there will be very, very many women listening to this program who experience this wretched condition, which is a syndrome that can be marked by depression... Anxiety, anger, fluid retention—a um, lot of things which tend to assert themselves in the second phase of the reproductive cycle, known as the premenstrual syndrome. And here, it has some remarkable benefits, and I have been able to document some of those, and even lecture on them. And my discovery of it, of this remedy was again associated with preparing for a seminar on the female reproductive system and coming across a book written by a very famous uh, British herbalist Captain Geoffrey Whitehouse very interesting pucker name but uh, the, the the English have given us some remarkable herbalists with remarkable credentials and Whitehouse in one of his books introduced me to the idea that Vitex agnus castus was what's called a progestogenic remedy it tended to support the progesterone phase, if you like, of the cycle, and he gave a good explanation of how it could be used to address PMS. And as far as I'm aware, as far as I'm aware, I was the first to introduce it in the late 70s, early 80s, into herbal medicine in this country and was one of the first to actually commercially grow it on my property in the Hunter Valley. And it has stood me in good stead. And I well remember a case... I well remember it very well. In, listeners will be interested in this. I had a practice at Warunga And um, on one occasion, I travelled down from Marunga to the um, uh, studios of the ABC at, at Ultimo to do a talkback radio. Um, <coughs> very interesting talkback it was. And uh, one of the uh, discussions was on the role of Vitex Agnes Castus in addressing particularly some female reproductive conditions. Now, one of them was dealing with the premenstrual uh, syndrome. It was interesting. When I um, got back to my rooms at Epurunga, uh, about three-quarters of an hour's drive from Ultimo, my receptionist said, oh, look, Dr. So-and-so from such-and-such a hospital has just rung in, and I won't mention hospitals and I won't mention names, obviously, um, has just rung in, and he wants to make an appointment. For his wife, and I thought this is rather unusual. He wants to make an appointment for his wife. So I said, Fine, okay. And um, the uh, lady was a lady from Barrel, um, and she came up and talked about her condition, a very distressing form of PMS, which she, how can I call it, spoke about to the extent that her husband would prefer not to be around the house in barrel at this particular stage of her her cycle, so it was pretty serious and he had heard me talk about Vitex Agnes Castus so I dispensed some Vitex Agnes Castus to this dear lady it changed her life changed their relationship and as a result of that I not only consulted her on numerous other occasions but also her whole family. That is a true story. I tell no no, no, no lies. That remedy has, in my opinion, been so important in addressing these what I call imbalanced conditions. Of course the endocrinologists and the others out there will laugh at that term but I use it to describe those conditions that I believe can be associated with subtle imbalances particularly in the hormonal structures that we have so vitex a discovery made later in my career was a great discovery because it gave to me a tool a tool to help address some of the unique conditions which up to that point i believe herbal medicine did not adequately address
0: good afternoon lucy at merryweather you've got some are you got back issues as well for <laughs> dennis to take a look at um, hi
2: right, no i don't have back issues I just wanted to talk about the guy that rang in before about back issues. Um, I'm actually um, a myotherapist and I just wanted to thank Dennis for um, putting in a plug for massage therapists. Uh, I just also wanted to mention that we don't actually get taught tricks a lot of things during the course mm. and I've had to do a lot of extra study to learn what I've learned and yeah. um, muscles actually have a memory and so it's, um, and a lot of the imbalances happen because of the way that people sleep. So if people come to my practice, I tell them what they did to get the injury and I work on it for a while, but they actually have to change some aspects of their lifestyle otherwise they just get it back again. And especially with the lower back, um, people don't use their psoas to hold their structure up and so the brain has to use a different muscle and that's quadratus lumborum. It's not meant to take that strain and that's why it um, gets sore.
1: Well done. I I applaud you for your... Innovative and uh, educational approach to massage therapy—you've got a real handle on that, and uh, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. And again, uh, would encourage you to pursue your own innovative approach. Uh, what you're doing uh, in furthering your training with more reading and personal insights is the journey that I took, and I would—I uh, would personally like to encourage you to pursue that you obviously have a a great interest a fascination and a calling for what you're doing Um, Mm. keep on that because we need uh, therapists like you within the natural therapy profession that are passionate that are innovative that are still learning and Mm. and are prepared to get their patients on board by enthusing their patients to participate in the healing process. Good on you. And uh, all I can do is, is wish you well and take on board some of the encouragement that I try to give to all natural therapists on this program. Well done.
2: Do you mind if I ask you what you think about uh, re- uh, RICE, Restless Compression and Elevation? Look, because I've been taught that uh, it actually stops the body's natural healing response because the, the brain sends blood with healing and nutrients yeah. and... Um, uh, which are a natural painkiller and the inflammation is the brain sending macrophages into the area to clean it out and they actually get inside the cells and that's what causes the inflammation
1: I'd, have to, I'd, I'd, yeah. have, I'd have to give some uh, serious thought to that
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Th- thank you very much, uh, Lucy, for that. Now, look, uh, Dennis, you're also wanting to... Uh, we've got just a couple of minutes to talk about no. Astragalus
1: 8. This is one, no. the big one for you. Yeah, look, it, it's probably the, 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 the highlight discovery of my career. Uh, I would like to think that the Astragalus 8 formula, and that's what it is, it's, an ast- it's a formula. Um, that formula, uh, I believe, has worked wonders in the natural therapy uh, treatment of many conditions associated with what we would refer to as depressed immunity and particularly uh, in helping people recover from severe viral infections particularly uh, the glandular fever or the Epstein-Barr virus cytomegalovirus uh, many of those sorts of conditions in my opinion uh, have demonstrated great response to the Astragalus 8 formula which I discovered in preparation for a seminar that I gave in Melbourne at Auburn College at the university to a group of, uh, of practitioners on immunology. And I had purchased a book uh, called Treating AIDS Naturally by the American doctor, Dr Donald Badgley. And within that book, was, which was some very sensible information on helping people uh, that had been afflicted by AIDS, was the Astragalus 8 formula in a section dealing with herbal medicine and its possibilities in helping people with AIDS. I was impressed with the formula, the rationale of it. Eight herbs of Asian origin, uh, all traditionally used in China, particularly for dealing with pretty chronic and serious immunological conditions. I took it on board, uh, gave a lecture on its potential. The interest was so great that I actually was the first to, to develop a preparation of it here in Australia, in a liquid preparation. Nowadays, of course, it's available in tableted preparations from pharmacies, health food stores. But the discovery of Astragalus 8 indelibly uh, left its imprint on me and altered uh, my approach and success in dealing with immunological disorders. As far as I am aware, there is nothing that I know of in herbal medicine that can help people that suffer from the herpes virus, particularly herpes simplex, there is nothing that I'm aware of in herbal medicine that helps so well in building up prevention against the recurrence of that wretched viral disease. So you can see that the discovery and the importance of that remedy uh, was, in my opinion, profound. It has helped so many people and will probably be one of my last great discoveries.
0: All of that from uh, just walking into what the, yeah. co- the communist bookstore once and picking up a book on
1: honey. Well, yes, but the, <laughs> the finding of the Astragalus 8 was, was uh, walking into a very, very good bookshop in Melbourne. You're going to Melbourne shortly. You want to get into the city and wander around and take advantage of Melbourne. It has some of the finest bookshops in Australia, and I used to frequent them as I conducted a postgraduate program down there in Melbourne quite some year, years ago. Dennis, great discussion as always. We uh, a good you, time, didn't we?
0: You, we had a great time over yeah. last month. So you got <laughs> Jane back for the next uh, little while now, next Friday. Well, that, so that'll be, that'll good. be good. That'll be good. I'll see you in three weeks. A great program. Dennis Stewart, Very Health good. Naturally. Have a good afternoon, mate, and a good weekend. Yeah? No, he's gone. He's go- <laughs> He always leaves before the program's entered. It doesn't matter. Have a good one, Dennis. Next week's Friday afternoon, midday to one. Mostly sunny for the rest of the day. Matty McNeil and the Hunter News team on the way for 2NURFM Local News. Enjoy the rest of your Friday and enjoy the rest of your weekend as well. Catch up with you in a couple of weeks from now. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health,